Hey y'all, welcome to Holy Coitus, a community of hosts, H-E-A-U-X. We are humans who engage in consensual coitus, are kind to ourselves and partners, creative, fully embodied, unapologetic, powerful, and free. My mission is to encourage everybody and everyone to claim or reclaim their sexual agency and voice, regardless of what parts you were born with or changed, where you live, what you did in the past, what you learned in the past, what you plan to do in the future, whether you've had zero sex partners or countless a week, your host story is welcome here. You are welcome here. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to my podcast, Holy Coitus. My name is Jenea, and I have an amazing host story for you today. Her name is Helen, and you are going to love her just as much, possibly as much as I do. Um, so please follow my work. Come find me on Instagram at Holy Coitus, H-E-A-U-X-L-Y-C-O-I-T-U-S. And that's where you can find other host stories. Um, each person is so brave and so tenacious and so vulnerable as they share intimate details of their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences with their bodies. Um, all of us have journeys and my goal in this is to normalize all the things that are connected to our own sexuality, whether it's us having tons and tons of partners or none at all. Each and every one of us can and ought to be a hoe. And basically a hoe is just someone who is free to choose what they desire for their own body. And um, that's what I try to do. And that's why I love talking to other people as they um, are following their heart and journeying towards podium. So please follow my work, support what I do, um, share this with your friends. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at Holy Coitus, and that's H-E-A-U-X-L-Y-C-O-I-T-U-S. If you want to share your story, you are welcome to do so. I am always looking for folks who want to be on my podcast. It's so much fun. So inbox me at... um on Instagram. Uh, Also, check out the other host stories. Each and every individual that I have interviewed and have have conversed with, conversated with, uh, are incredible human beings. And you will probably find someone who has thought the same, done the same, considered doing some of the stuff that you have done in your life. And that's what makes us all human and um, worthy of our stories being told. So find me on Instagram, share this podcast with your friends, share your story on the podcast and enjoy this episode, y'all. Bye. Uh, (laughs) Can you tell people like, who are you? Where are you? What's your story? Yeah, so I'm going to use my real name. Um, so my name, I know my whole everything. My name is Helen Camila Amon Bailey, and I'm from the Midwest, and I'm in the Southwest, um, the Southwest United States now. Um, and I'm so happy to be on your podcast. <laughs> Me too. It's such a good podcast. It's so Seriously. much fun. Um, so my background, yeah. yes, it is. It is. It, it's it's nice to be able to talk about things that you didn't think other people thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
definitely. So my background. Um, so my family's Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I grew up. I grew up Catholic. Probably first seven years of my life. Then we went to a non-denominational church. Then we went to an apostolic church, and. Those are all, those faiths and faith practices are all kind of just like very different, especially mm-hmm. when you think about like the American version of those denominations. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, Catholics tend to be like, you know, the stereotype is like we're pious and mm-hmm. um, pray to the Virgin Mary and don't believe in birth control. Mm-hmm. and, you know, sexual molestation by priests and all kinds of stuff, you know. And then there's the non-denominational, the the black non-denominational part of America. Because um, I have not been to really very many non-black, non-denominational churches. Um, and that was very, like, prosperity gospel type thing, you know, and... So, you know, growing up, I'm I'm hearing about God, I'm hearing about Jesus and these miracles and these activities that occurred in the Bible and God is my father and I should respect him and fear him and all these things. Well, my dad wasn't around. So, <clears throat> that idea that like God is like your dad was like, well, God doesn't care about me, so Mm -hmm. no big deal. Um, I'm just going to get out here and do what I do. Um, So I think the most impactful, I think the most traumatic Christian um, thing that happened to me was purity culture. I was sexually abused as a child, um, like four or five years old. Um, so that shaped my ideas about sex. Um, but you know, as a, you know, growing up, I didn't remember that I had been sexually abused for many, many, many years. So I didn't know at that time why purity culture and these, um, abstinence talks and stuff were so harmful to me. And why I disliked them so much, you know. Um, so by the time I got to high school, I'd already been, I'd already started having sex with kids in my neighborhood. Um, just because I wanted to fit in. I grew up in a neighborhood where people used to own their homes. But just kind of like as time went on, people would leave their house, you know, to their children. But the children were like on drugs. And so... Mm their kids would just kind of, so the kids my age would just kind of be running around unsupervised. Hmm. Um, And I wasn't unsupervised really. And so I really had to prove myself. I felt like to the kids in the neighborhood and part of that, they were interested in sex and doing sexual activities and to be, to fit in, I started participating, not remembering that I'd been sexually abused. And so I already had like a predisposition to sexual activities and like being influenced um, to do things, to do sexual things. 
So anyway, um, in high school, I went to a camp, a Christian camp, and the emphasis was purity culture. They would always separate the girls and the boys and do these abstinence and purity talks. It was torture, honestly, <laughs> because because it made me it made me feel disgusting, mm. and it made me feel. Like, I would never be able to experience the love of God like the other girls at camp because they were virgins. Mm. And I wasn't. And um, I remember this very particular activity that the leader did. She took a pitcher of water and she had this container and she was like, okay, so say that you're holding hands with your boyfriend, you know, and she sprinkles like a little dirt in this pitcher of of clear water, right? Mm. And she's like, and he convinces you that you guys should have a good night kiss or something, right? And she sprinkles a little dirt in the water. And she's like, "Um, well, now you guys have been dating and he wants to touch, you know, touch your breast or touch you on the butt or give you a hug that lasts too long. And so all these different things. You give him oral, or he gives you oral, or you touch his penis, or you um, have sex. And so she's sprinkling dirt in this pitcher. And she's like, she holds it up and she's like, is this what you will want to offer your husband on your wedding night? This pitcher filled with dirty water. And, you know, she stirs it up, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's disgusting. It looks gross. gross. No one's going to. So she pours it in a cup and she walks up to people and she's like, would you like to drink this? <gasps> Would you like to drink this? Would you like to drink this? No one wants to drink that. Oh my. We just like pour dirt. No one wants to drink that. Mm. No one's gonna drink that. You know, and it's like, and she's like, this is you doing sexual activities before you're married. Mm. And like the sinking feeling in your heart, because it's like, I'll never get married. I'll never have a husband. Mm. If I do have a husband, it'll be someone who pities me mm. because I'm, you know, this used <clears throat> person. So that just, so that's something that kind of used to play over and over and over in my mind. Just like, <clears throat> you're not, you're not beautiful. You're not worthy. You have done something that can't be undone. Mm-hmm. And you'll and you'll never be the same. Yeah, you can be a born again virgin, but that's not the same as being a real virgin. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's like I wanted so badly to be loved and accepted by God, and I thought that I had to do certain things in order to get God's love, and it just it was a lie. <laughs> essentially you know because the love of god is not predicated on any thing that you do Mm -hmm. god's love is just god's love and so i spent so many years hating myself destroying myself it's kind of one of those things where and I told you I work I work at a at a hotline and some people will call they're like you know they're on drugs they can't get their mind together 
they know that they need to get clean, but their mind is not is not working with them. You know what I mean? It's like it's working against them. The addiction has taken over and it's controlling the things that they're able to do. And that's how I felt. I was out of control. I was trying to feel normal. And so I was having a lot of sex. Hmm. Because that was the only way I could regulate my emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the only way I felt like I could. Because I didn't tell anybody I'd been molested. Um, my family found out, but the person they thought had done it wasn't the person. And I never corrected anybody. Just because I was a child and I was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want this person to get in trouble. So it, was, it was also a kid. A, a kid uh, older than me but also a kid and someone I cared about very much, you know? And so just living with that and just trying to make it and do it on my own was so incredibly difficult and so incredibly hard. And I don't, you know, if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't been subjugated to purity culture, if, you know, people in my family had not also been molested and there was this kind of unspoken rule that you don't talk about mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, you don't, you don't talk about that kind of thing. Even if people in your family know about it, that's not something you talk to them about, you know? Right. And just this kind of culture where sex is not a topic that you talk about, period. So there was no, there was no talk, you know, there was no birds and bees conversation there was no, this is what sex is like. This is, you know, something that might happen. Boys might pressure you. You can say no if you don't want to or if you're unsure. Like, no one really ever said that to me. They said, don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. That was it. God doesn't want you to have sex. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to this day, you know, I haven't gotten pregnant. But I was already having sex when they told me not to. Mm-hmm. So was it? Like I could, I didn't feel that I could do anything about it at that time. And all I'm hearing is don't do this, don't do this, don't, 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 don't. And I'm like, why can't I do it? What, what, what's going to, is something going to happen? But no one ever, no one ever said, and I never asked. And so I have these years and years and years of trauma where I was trying to be sexually liberated, but not realizing that I was being abused not realizing that I was being taken advantage of, not realizing that a lot of the situations I found myself in would be considered rape if any, if the police or, you know, law enforcement got involved. Coercion for sex, straight up rape, um, date rape, um, just people not treating me well, not treating me like, you know, like I have value, like Mm -hmm. I have purpose, like I have meaning. They just, you know, wanted to have sex. And so I didn't know it, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know any better. So I was just constantly on the search for the person who was going to make my life meaningful. The man who was going to make my life meaningful, the husband who was going to give me value so Mm -hmm. that I could be redeemed from this person that I am, this person that, you know, people discard and don't want to be involved with, you know, long-term. So that 
is that's my foundation and that is such a and, rocky and, foundation it's well not, not ideal it's really not you know in your story i hear a lot of um being a victim and it's not even your fault like it's like these systems that don't take account for the individual you being this innocent person who literally is doing the best she could with the little information that she had and so yes Mm -hmm. yeah and isn't that true about everybody (laughs) because life is so hard (laughs) yeah and people just it's hard it's it's hard it's hard I don't even know how I got to the place where I well I do I mean I do know I do know it's part of it's part of my journey but um but yeah so the the virginity stuff and then the waiting for marriage stuff I mean that's all great and wonderful for the people who want to do that on their own Mm-hmm. Who they have a relationship with God, and in their prayers, they feel that God is telling them to do this thing, and and I just don't understand why the church doesn't work that way, why we're not teaching people. It's like this is how you read the Bible. Mm-hmm. These are the places you can go for historical context, for more information, for clarification. This is. This is one way to pray and talk to God, and you can come up with your own ways as you pray and talk to God. I don't get how that's just because what what are what are we doing in church all day for two and three hours? It's not learning how to talk to God mm-hmm. because people don't know how to do that. They are worried about what the pastor is going to say. They're worried about what other people at the church have to say. They're getting advice from other people instead of talking to God for themselves. So so for purity culture to come out of a place like that, I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. It it's not it's not right. It's not it's not it's not how you foster a community of people who can love each other because they feel the love of God. And because they love God, you can't be love doesn't come out of doing things to look good. It doesn't come out of attending a service so that people think you're holy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come out of donating your money so that everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, there, there are lots of great things that churches do for people that can be done by individuals that don't have to be done by churches. Not that church is bad, but there's a better way to express the love of God. And there's a better way to teach people about the love of God than to go to a building a couple times a week and listen to one person talk. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's how, that's how you get cults. That's how you get people who want to please their pastor or their church leadership instead of wanting to please God. People who are concerned about how they look on paper at their church versus how they treat and raise their family, how they treat their spouse, 
how they raise their children. Do they have integrity in the workplace? Do they have integrity in their personal interactions with other people? And for me, that was something that I did see a lot of. There were people who had integrity and people who really did care about others. But the way they were able to express that was so limited based on what the pastor wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Because he was the pastor. So I, I've healed from a lot of that kind of church trauma that, sorry, that people have. Um, and I'm still working on it. I'm still... My thing is fear and trembling. I'm still working out my salvation with fear and trembling and trying to get, not trying to get right, doing what I think is the next right thing mm-hmm. and including, including God in the process and doing, and I'm now doing, you know, ancestor veneration mm-hmm. because I feel that my culture has been stripped, has been stripped from my, my, my ancestry, from my history for my people. And so I'm, I'm working on getting that back because I know that there is room. I can, I can make my relationship with God part of my culture. I don't have to change. I don't have to get out of my culture and participate in some other culture, like white supremacist Christianity, you know, evangelical Christianity in America, which is a, large beast you know it's like, a whole I podcast to... all by itself <laughs> oh Seriously. my gosh mm-hmm. i don't have to i don't have to participate in that in order to be righteous and in order to be in right standing with god i can be in right standing with god in my own personal context with my own personal culture with my own personal history doing what i do which is being alive mm-hmm. yeah i have a quick question yeah. for you the yeah. So when you had the pitcher of water and the dirt, and when you were in the understanding of purity culture, was that in the black non-denominational one? Or was it connected to white folks? Or like, was are these two separate entities? Like, who was around you when you were in this um, teaching? So my mom was part of the teaching. So my mom taught a purity class at our church so and we were at a non-denominational church and then I would go to this camp where people from all over the country would come and it was it was urban urban the black camp but it the it was a the urban offshoot of a very well-known evangelical white evangelical christian camp got it Mm mm-hmm so special so <laughs> so special and wonderful it's so special. And, and it's just i get it right you want people to be virtuous and so you control them by saying god doesn't want you to do this particular thing mm. and you curate your manual in such a way to reflect the things that you want people to do, which again, I get it. (laughs) I I do. I do. I do. Because I I get the, I get the idea that you want to save people from themselves and you want to make their lives as simple and easy as possible. But when you, 
when you remove the idea that my relationship with God is not just personal between God and myself, but it's also specific to me. And it's not that I'm supposed to be, you know, this isn't a sim- and this isn't an assembly line where there's 100 people and 100 people need to be interacting with the machine in this way to produce the same product. Mm-hmm. It's every person is unique and individualized as created by God, who you're in this relationship with, so that you can fulfill your potential. Right. It's not so you can make other people happy. And it's not even necessarily so that you can get into heaven. Like uh-huh. the goal of getting into heaven really isn't, it's like, that's not hidden the way you think it's hidden. Like that teaching is not really doing what you think it's doing because the idea of working to earn a spot in this, this place that's supposed to be paradise is the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. You're just supposed to be living and doing what you feel that God is telling you to do. Like that's how you live a righteous life doing the things that you feel like are good to do. And so that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. You know, reclaiming it. Yeah. You got to reclaim it. I asked the question about the, who was around you because, um, I haven't done the research in order to like compare and contrast black church and in white evangelical church as it's, connected to purity culture because I, I literally would prefer to take a nap instead mm-hmm. but um seriously it's just <laughs> I, I can't do everything all day but um yeah. I have noticed that purity culture specifically for like our age group of being in our 30s and such um it started with white evangelical church and then it trickled into the black religious spaces but it didn't start absolutely with, right and what I've gathered from my own understanding and also my own personal experience with being in um, white evangelical spaces, being the only one, is when I talk to black folks who were in purity culture, it didn't, come, it, it was like a, a secondary idea um, within black church. And they were just like, well, we need to do this because that big white church over there is doing it. So for black folks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. black women, um, Black men, too. I haven't talked with him. I've only talked with one other black guy about this. But, like, we have the sexual part, and then we have white supremacy part on top of that, connected with our, our body story. And Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's insane. And we're all carrying this if you are a black person that was mm-hmm. within purity culture. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I see, I see what you're saying. So I, so after I graduated from college, I stayed in the town where I finished and it was a white town. Mm-hmm. It's the headquarters for one of the largest Christian denominations in yes, the world. <laughs> Assemblies of God. I'll just say Assemblies of God. And that's all great and fine. And so I was able to participate in and see a lot of white evangelical culture. Mm-hmm. In in that time, and I and I lived there for ten years, mm-hmm. so I got a good idea of what it was like. They start, in my opinion, a lot earlier mm-hmm. than Black churches start with purity culture. They started, you know, like kindergarten. They do, 
you know, we're saving ourselves from marriage. God is our husband Mm -hmm. and all this, you know, kind of white femininity surrounded by, you know, dancing in the light of Jesus and he's twirling you around and you're his precious princess. You know, that little meme with the teddy bear, little white girl, she's got the teddy bear. She does. And Jesus has got this big ass teddy bear behind him. And he wants her to give it to him so he can give her this bigger version of the teddy bear. And I'm like, life isn't like that. It's really not. And I, you know, I've read so many purity books having been, not only having been a person who attended a camp, but then I worked at the camp. Because, oh, you did! You know, they brainwashed you. They brainwashed you. <laughs> Excellent. Because as I said, I wanted it so badly. Mm-hmm. I wanted it so badly. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't attain it. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's. It's very, um, so like you were saying, the, the white purity culture for girls is very immersed in you are beautiful, God adores you, you're the apple of his eye, there's no one more important than you, princess, sweet girl, you know, mm-hmm. and then from my experience, the purity culture for black girls is don't let these boys use you. Mm. You need to save yourself for a real man who's going to wait for you. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's more, it's yeah. more negative. Yeah. And, and here's, and here's the thing I, I want to make clear. Both are horrible. Mm-hmm. Both are bad. In my, in my opinion, Absolutely. both are both strip away a woman's, a girl's ability to have agency over her body a girl's ability to formulate her own thoughts and ideas about who she is right? and whether or not she likes herself and whether or not she is valuable to other people. Cause there's so much emphasis placed on, you know, you see these people, these Kevin Samuels and these other, I don't even know what to call them. Fake woke, educated wealthy black men i'm not even sure what i'm does kevin samuels even know who he is i'm not really sure (laughs) let him tell it he know who you are of course but he only knows black women (laughs) he never talks to these black men about how they need to get their ish together right anyway so so that idea that whole idea like of your value you're not a you're not a high value person your body count is too high like all these things it's like what are we what are we even talking about what are we even talking about because the the idea of the idea of body count is something i wrote down is something i wanted to to touch on a little bit as part of um surviving or sexual programming and reprogramming mm-hmm. like the idea that um the more people you have sex with the less you're like a, you're like a car as soon as you get driven off the lot your value has decreased 15 percent mm-hmm. so you've lost your virginity say at 16 you're in love okay your value is already low mm-hmm. it's already low so now you have a boyfriend in college and you sleep with him. Well, no one is going to want you now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're trash. You're, you're a hoe. You're a slut. And it's like, 
what even what even do those words mean mm-hmm. what 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 do they mean what are what are they about because anatomically a vagina that's had one partner versus a hundred partners is gonna do the same thing literally the vagina's gonna vagina you know what I mean <laughs> that that was that that's a word mm, it's gonna get it's gonna get wet when you stimulate it. Is gonna, you know what I mean? It's gonna, it's gonna do all the things. Mm-hmm. So, what is, what is this, what is this about, really? And it's about controlling women. Mm-hmm. I read this, I read this article over. Maybe it wasn't an article. Maybe it was just a post somewhere about how calling a woman a slut versus calling a woman a prude is really the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's about. The person doing the insulting, being in control over who you're having sex with. So, oh, you're not having sex with me. You must be a prude. Right. You're not, you're having sex, but you, you're, you are having sex, but you won't have sex with me. Oh, you must be a hoe. I guess the prude thing is you're not having sex with other people, but you're not also going to have sex with me. So you're a prude. Of course. Versus a slut. And it's like. I'm going to control who I'm having sex with and I can put a label on it or I don't have to put a label on it. Mm-hmm. And that's up to me. It's really none of your business. Literally. None and, it, of and it has, and it has nothing to do with the relationship because mm-hmm. you ask me how many people I have had sex with has nothing to do with whether or not I'm going to treat you well in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Actually it might. So what, this one of my, so I, I think so. So this is one of my soapboxes is, uh, and this is probably one of the only times where like my therapist got loud at me once. And I was like, Oh my God, was when mm-hmm. I told her that I knew how many, like I knew what my body count was. And she goes, why does that number even matter? And I was like, is you getting loud? <laughs> so, but she was right. And for me, I like having numbers. Cause like my, my brain is like data. I, that's just how I process things in life. But I have, I have been thinking about like, what does my number even mean? And it's almost like stepping on the weight scale. And like, if the number goes mm-hmm. high, you get depressed. And if it's low, you're like, Ooh, I'm doing good today. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in the end, it's not important. And dudes, like they get big mad when you're not available at their beck and call. And I'm, and there was this one guy, what's his name? His name is, uh, I can't even tell you. Like, okay, we're going to call him Beard. So Beard said, um, like he wanted to know if I was free that night. So he calls it eight and then it was like, Are you free? And I was like, I'm reading and he goes, You not you don't have nobody over and I was like, First of all, it's none of your business if I did or not. I am available if you want to stop by or take me on a date, sure. But and then he he couldn't handle me choosing my own schedule for my own body. It's insane. And then I think when it comes to numbers, um, guys do determine how they will treat you. What I've what I've noticed, how they treat you, how they have sex with you, if mm-hmm. if your number is acceptable to them. So like, yeah. if I were to tell a guy, yeah, I've had three, I've I've had I've had sex with three men, then they're like, oh, she's new, so I need to like this fresh vagina. Or if I'm like. I've had sex exactly. with 75 and they're like, oh, well, then I can do whatever I want with her because like mm-hmm. she's not special anymore. So I'm just one of those 75. Yeah. And I was like, no, you treat me like royalty every time. 
Because this is yeah every time. Every hello? time. I don't care. And so so yeah. now in my life, I won't even entertain a guy who asks how many people have you had sex with. He doesn't immediately mean. immediately what is that little um TikTok sound? Immediately no. <laughs> immediately no. <laughs> immediately no. Immediately no. Immediately. Yeah. Done. You know, and the, the the guy I so I, I briefly shared with you before we started that I've been engaged. Mm-hmm. So I was engaged for maybe seven or eight months, and I'd been in a relationship with that guy for over a year, and he had he was a virgin. He never he never had sex, mm-hmm. and that was that was difficult for me in the beginning of that relationship because at the time I was still very much involved in the church i was on leadership at a church i was doing the things right and i just finally i did get overwhelmed and i left and so we were together and i and i wasn't going to church but still he he asked me one day about how many people i had sex with because he knew that i had sex he heard my my testimony which i'd given um many times and I'd actually sent him the written version of it so that he could read it because he'd never been um, where I was giving my testimony. So I became very defensive Mm. because it's a source because at the time, at the time that was a source of shame, Mm. my body count, because I had been trying not to have sex but not being able to not have sex. And I just felt like I felt worthless. And so it made me feel like he was going to judge me. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. Mm. And we got into a fight. Mm. We got into an argument about that. And it made me feel so absolutely worthless. But I stayed in the relationship. Mm. And he, like, was insisting that I tell him. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. Wow. And at that, and at that time, I had, all, I had been in a group chat with some expats from South Korea that I, that I um, encountered or whatever. And a few of the people were men. And I had, he didn't want me to be in the group chat anymore. I couldn't be friends with the other men that I had been friends with before yeah. because that was, that was going to be a problem because he was afraid that I was going to cheat on him. His mom had cheated on his dad. So I get that, but that didn't have anything to do with me. Right. You know, at that, I mean, at that point he'd only, he, <laughs> I'd only really dated. He was my third boyfriend mm-hmm. because in high school and in college, you know, I was a trauma hoe and I wasn't in relationships. Mm-hmm. So for this to be my third boyfriend, you know, I'm finally feeling like I've done enough things for God to grant me the desire of my heart to get married, right? Mm-hmm. And now this person is asking me about body counts and treating me like every other person, mm-hmm. you know? So we 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 got through that, but I really never got over that. Right. You know, and you know, and you know, that wasn't the only thing that had happened in the relationship, of course. And so I had to really consider. So during the pan- when the pandemic started, I spent a lot more time by myself because we were together every single day after we started dating. Hmm. Every single day, multiple hours. There was hardly ever a day when I didn't see him. That's he lot. had a key to my apartment. He would be there when I got home from work. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. 
that's a lot. So we just spent, we spent tons and tons of time together. So when the pandemic started and I had some time to like think and reflect, I was like, I don't want to be in this relationship. Wow. It's not good. It's not good for me. So I was able to, well, I broke up with him. That was really hard. Um, but I needed to do it for myself. You know, I, when I, when I started, when I met him or when I started hanging out with him, I had just gotten out of a relationship and it, it ended horribly. Mm-hmm. I, and then the pastor got involved because we been doing stuff we weren't supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and, um, we had broken up and to heal from that, I started having panic attacks and all these things. And to heal from that, I wrote a devotional. Mm. And I wanted to publish it. And I had my boyfriend, the new boyfriend, I had him read it. He was like, I couldn't even make it through. All I could think about was your ex when I was reading this. Oh my god. So basically gosh. like you know, and 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 you know, and I dated and this guy was he's very intelligent, incredibly gifted orator in my opinion, very talented, just gifted beyond belief, but not ready to see his full potential Mm -hmm. really but you know i was so focused on the idea of having a great spiritual leader Mm. that i wasn't considering like you know is this gonna be a good fit Mm. because just because a person is kind and nice and just because a person loves god and has a good relationship with god and hears from god in a way that you, you know, comprehend, understand, whatever, and can communicate with you in a great way, doesn't mean that you're gonna have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. It just, it just doesn't mean that, you know. And so that was a concept that I had to accept. Every relationship isn't gonna end in marriage, despite what you've been taught in purity culture, despite <laughs> dating. You should only date someone if you're going to get married to them. It's true. It's yeah. like, what are you even talking about? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that arranged marriages are a thing. And I would honestly do an arranged marriage if I was from a culture that had arranged marriage. Just because, you know, that's part of your culture. But I'm like, these somebody knows them. You know what I mean? Like, they're... Mm-hmm. It's not always arbitrarily chosen, your partner. You right. know, it's, it's usually based on some things. Like, they're they're checking compatibility when they're considering getting married to somebody, you know, arranging a marriage to somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not all just, oh, where your parents are in the same financial sector, so this yeah. will be good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, I need to get to know people. I need to have an understanding of who they are fundamentally as a person without all the bullshit, without the frills, without, you know, thinking about, oh, how many times do they raise their hands during praise and worship? How many times do they volunteer to pray? How many times do they get the tears? You know, those are the things that they're telling you to look for when mm-hmm. you're at church and you're in high school. Of course. It's like, well, yeah, I'm, I volunteer to clean up. Because I don't want to hang out with the other kids because I feel awkward and I don't like them. And they don't like me. It's not because I want to help. It's because I don't want to be over there. Right. So it's like, how am I, how am I discerning 
a, a, a man's integrity when we're 15 years old. It's how many Shut chairs he is. How many chairs he 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 puts out in the rows. That that's godliness. Yes. Right. How mm-hmm. many people does he go evangelize to on the mission trip? Absolutely. Well, we're competing with each other. It's not because we <laughs> evangelism we love God so much. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know how I got off on that, but it, it's <laughs> oh, because we were talking about body count. Yeah, I think um. It's, I'm curious about, like, as you were processing, like, how to choose a mate, which would lead to marriage, was the, because you mentioned a lot of, like, the outward uh, expressions of faith, and then also um, talking, like, um, amount of time that you spend with someone and just simple like compatibility things which and the compatibility part is like not even a part of the conversation it's really like mm-hmm. is he nice and is he a virgin too and does is he an upstanding citizen okay get married because it's like that's it and you're like but don't don't burn with lust oh heaven get forbid married. yes you... marry before Girl. you burn with lust i was like i was burning with lust at four so does that mean i get married at four because I've been horny since then. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Crazy. But No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Makes- and so, yeah, I, um, so, so in my life right now, I'm polyamorous. Yay, that's fine. And that was, that was something that I, I came into a little reluctantly. Oh, first, can you tell, tell people like what polyamorous means and then how, how, what does that look like for you in your life? Yes. So polyamory is simply, at its simplest explanation, multiple lovers, basically poly, multiple, amory, lover. Um, so it's a person, it's, it's a person who believes that you can be in more than one relationship at a time, mm-hmm. more than one romantic relationship at a time. And honestly, I believe that. I didn't think it was possible before because monogamy is so entrenched in obviously in Christian culture, right? And that's the culture that I grew up in. And in the American culture and in in cultures around the world. I'm not gonna pretend like it's just it's uniquely here. Mm-hmm. Um but I've I've found that as a neurodivergent person, so I have several diagnoses right adhd ocd i'm getting it tested i think i'm on the autism spectrum Mm. um and ptsd and just some other just like stuff and um because of that i feel like i need to be stimulated in different ways romantically if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I'm such a multifaceted person and my and my multifaceted nature does not coexist, if that makes sense. So some people are, you know, like, let's see, I'm trying to think. Singer, songwriter, fashion designer, um, soccer enthusiast, 
and you know they're also a microbiologist and you know whatever and all of those things meld together to form their personality mm-hmm. and while that's you know while that's true about every person for me my different sides are more separated than that so like i have multiple instagram accounts for the different things in my life that i found valuable mm. so i have my personal page that i've had you know and then i have a page for the for my writing and then my friend and i have a page because we like battle rap so we have a battle rap page mm. and i've and i've always kind of been this person who separates friendships and separates relationships so i think college is the most um the earliest example because i had so much freedom over where i went and what i did so i had you know my christian friends from christian camp mm-hmm. my black christian friends from christian camp and we would hang out and do our black christian camp girl stuff we were listening to worship music we were making fun of praise dances Mm-hmm. You know, doing praise dances, you know, reading the Bible, praying with each other, encouraging each other, right? And then I had the people I was hanging out with from Saudi Arabia who had come to the United States for the first time and didn't have their parents. And they were smoking and drinking for yeah. the first time and going to clubs. And I was doing that with them, mm-hmm. you know, and speaking Arabic. I mean, I, I barely speak Arabic, but, you know, and just doing that. And then I had the people that I knew from class the white Christians that I was hanging out with and we did very different things than I did with the black Christians that I was hanging out with because it's two separate things right and so Mm -hmm. and so most of my life I have had to compartmentalize parts of myself in order for me for for me in order to survive is Mm -hmm. how I felt in order to feel okay and safe Mm -hmm. you know I was one way at home and one way at school one way, you know, at school during school hours, one way at school after school hours, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on who was around, you know, very much one of those people who, oh, you like my personality? Thanks. I tailored it just for you. (laughs) Kind of a thing. You know, versus now, versus now where I've done like a lot of healing, a lot of introspection, a lot of purging of these thoughts and ideas that I've had. So that now I'm much more myself in all aspects of my life where I'm, I'm bringing my true personality into all aspects of my life, but I still have them separated. So anyway, said all that to say, mm-hmm. because, I, because I live my life in that way, for me, it's much easier to have relationships that also kind of in that way so mm-hmm. I'm dating a guy and he is very positive and encouraging and he's all about kind of like business and making yourself better and improving upon yourself being better than you were the day before so he reads like he's reading a hundred books this year he's incredible amazing he brings out a part of me that I didn't even know I could access at will mm. So because I'm neurodivergent, I have like, un, you know, untreated ADHD because my mom didn't want me to have any labels. Of course not. Right. Of course, because that was going to hurt me in the mm-hmm. long run. Of course. Yeah. What? 
anyway. Yep. So, so I, I do, I used to have like spurts of time when I could be really organized and focused and and he's helped me realize that I can be organized and focused every single day. It doesn't, it just doesn't have to look like the way it looks for other people. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, so that's helped me really step up my life. And, um, so that's, that's awesome. I, you know, he's wonderful in that way. The sex is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, he and I play chess together. It's great. We're, we're awesome. And then I have a guy that I'm seeing who is much more of a partier, much more of a social person, like, you know, walks into a room, changes Mm. the atmosphere of the place gets everybody to start doing stuff together at a restaurant at a bar doing karaoke wherever you know and he brings out a side of me that's more I don't want to say more masculine because I don't want um like assertiveness I don't want to feel like a assert- I don't want to say that assertiveness is, is like a masculine quality, mm-hmm. but I'm much more direct and I don't really know. I have, I'm not sure. I hate to be silent because I'm trying to think of the, the exact word, but like he brings out a side of me where I feel like you know, I could walk up to someone who I might have been intimidated by in the past and be like, you know, just start start a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. That I can be as soft or as rough as I want to be, but that I'm still beautiful and that that doesn't mm-hmm. really have anything to do with my value as a person, whether I'm cursing somebody out or whether I'm flirting and being sweet, you know, like that's, that's not only still me, but both those things are good and are, are okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a part of me that I need stimulated, you know, because I don't have to just be one way. Right. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just a way that I feel honors who I am as a person by being able to get what I need when I need it from the people who are willing to give it to me because I don't want to beg for affection. I don't want to beg to be treated the way that I want to be treated. And I also don't want to demand that a person meet all my needs Mm -hmm. because that's not necessary. It's also not realistic. It, it, it's not, and it's not kind. It's not kind. Mm-hmm. And and I really do want to transition. I'm, I'm I'm transitioning from being a nice and polite person to being a kind person. Mm-hmm. Because because a lot of a lot of my life, adults and other people are like, oh, you're such a nice girl. You know, you're such a nice. Because I present, you know, I would present as, oh, you're talking about sex? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't want to talk about sex. You know what I mean? Having sex. Right. Because 
not only I, I was not only was I able to separate that part of my life out and be the person who's outraged by other people having sex, but <laughs> but also like protecting that part of myself. Mm-hmm. Because if this person knew I was having sex, then they wouldn't think I was a nice girl. True. Because all nice girls go to heaven, and all nice people—they're all—they're all. All, they're all, all nice girls are. They're all, all virgins. nice girls are virgins until mm. their children get married. You know it's what I true. mean? It's true. Yes. How so? Right. So so while it does sound like I'm just trying to protect myself, I really am doing. I really am part of polyamory to express myself, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that. I can be polyamorous now and in the future I might want to go back to being monogamous. Mm-hmm. And if I want to do that, that's my business. It is. But where I am right now, I'm polyamorous and I'm free. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love it. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> It's so great. Like one of the things I paid my therapist a lot of money to help me understand was that I can change my mind. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not possible. But like, if I want to have multiple partners, which I'm doing, like, I don't even have partners. I just have situated. They're not even situated. I don't know what you call them. The people, the dudes that come through the door. Yes. When I need them. Visitors. Visitors. Yes. That's I like that. When you need them and not a second before. Yep, exactly. And then you need to leave because I need my space. It's not personal. It's me, not you. Anyway, so like the um, the the agency piece of being able to choose what you want to do with your body for that amount of time. So like if, if mm-hmm. you want to be a monogamous person for a time and then switch it up to be polyamorous or you have to two people and then later you have five or and then later if you want to go back to like abstinence because as Mm -hmm. long as those things are your decision then go for it and that they are healthy and that they're not like a reaction to like undealt with trauma then Mm -hmm. yes those are all exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and when I when I decided the kind of men that I wanted to be in relationships with that changed my it changed it changed my sex life really mm. too sex is better because I'm with people who were on the same page mm-hmm. people who who they text and call me because they want to communicate with me because they care about what I'm thinking, like the, the, the guy I said, who, um, he's reading the 100 books this year. Like he doesn't just text me WYD. Amazing. You know what I mean? He does ask me sometimes what I'm doing and then he'll ask me questions about it. Amazing. He'll ask, he'll, he asks me questions about what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I'll say something like obscure, like, yeah, I'm not having a good day. He's like, Oh, well, what happened? Mm. Not like, oh, that sucks. You know, well, what happened today? And then he'll take something negative that I'm saying or or thinking and he'll flip it. He'll be like, well, could you think of, well, you know, think of it like this? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, 
I ask him all the time. I'm like, are you real? Oh, that's cute. Like, are you? Because I hadn't encountered, you know, until, you know, until I decided who I was. Mm -hmm. I hadn't encountered a lot of men who were secure in who they are. Mm -hmm. Their self-worth comes from controlling you and telling you who you are and what you need to be doing, you know, versus men who are established in their own mental health established in their own life you know they work they pay their bills and don't expect handouts from other people mm-hmm. you know they don't want women to do emotional labor for them mm-hmm. you know they don't think women are just sex objects amazing plot twist and it's like huh my whole life there were people like this out there and i didn't know amazing I- excuse me what (laughs) and and when you feel safe to be who you are Mm. then that's that's where you get transformation that's where you get the ability to do great things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's what i'm doing that's I'm amazing. Doing great things. Yeah. I I published that devotional that I mentioned earlier. Oh, congrats. Um, I published it last year because it's like, who are you to tell me what what my what impact my words can have on other people? Mm-hmm. And don't don't tell me to be quiet. I, I won't be silent. I'm not gonna sit in the corner and just you know, take whatever I can get. Right. And then go out and get what I want. Exactly. I have a question. So, um, since you are polyamorous, um, how do you navigate, like, um, the introductory, like, conversations with potential partners or on Mm -hmm. dates? Like, do you say, hello, my name is Helen, I'm polyamorous, do you want to be my fourth, or, like, do you, do you, like, what, no, what is, what is the conversation like, and how, how do you explain your boundaries, and, like, your preferences with a new person? Mm-hmm. So, if I'm, if I'm interested in someone, so say I go, I meet someone on Tinder, I go out with them, and I'm like, oh, this was great, which is why I did the guy that I'm, you know, we went out, and I was like, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. So the second time we hung out, I told him I was polyamorous mm. because I didn't want that to be, I didn't want to him to get to know me and think we were going to be doing one certain thing, but we're really going to be doing something else because I'm not interested in being monogamous. Mm-hmm. So if I like someone, I'm going to tell them. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just it. If I'm interested, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm polyamorous and I like to keep seeing you, but I wanted you to know that before we continue. Yeah. So I said, that's exact. That's basically what I said to him. In his bathroom <laughs> the next morning, I was like, I'm polyamorous. And he was like, okay, I dated a girl who was polyamorous before. And that was it. So simple. Yeah. And the other person, um, we're not in, the, we're not dating. We're not in a relationship. We're friends. We actually are friends. 
and um he also sees other people so it's um it's good i think i think that it, i've had such a good experience because i'm not trying to trap anybody into being in a relationship with me or to deal with me in a way that i want to be dealt with you know because not only do I want people to respect my boundaries, I want to respect theirs. Mm-hmm. And if that's not something someone's interested in, then I'm like, great. It was nice to meet you. You're a nice person. Like, I've met people and I'm like, they're like texting me for two, three, four, five days and we haven't even met up. And I'm like. Yeah, no. And so and I text them and I say, hey, this is going a little bit too slow for me. It's really nice to meet you, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. As opposed to dra- letting it drag out, doing it on their terms, you know, just wanting to make somebody happy. I'm like, this doesn't make me happy. Bye. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. This is this sucks. This is boring. Yeah. I don't care. You know, it's like, why, why torture yourself right. trying to be nice to someone that you don't even, you can't even see yourself being in a relationship with? Right. Why do that? Well, I used to do it because I was a people pleaser and because I thought that that's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's unkind. It right? is unkind. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I've am learned. I have learned, and I'm put. I put into practice now the cut people off before when I see that this is not going where I need mm-hmm. it to go, and I'll let people know. Like I'm not. This is. I'm not interested in what you are offering. It's not personal. Yeah. We're just not compatible. And then my favorite is, but you're perfect for me. I was like, that's, first of all, you need a therapist because you're perfect for me is not possible. And and crazy. It is crazy. Like, you cannot do that. Um, yeah. And um, the also the part that I thought was fascinating when you're in your when you were talking is um, finding partners or men in your case um, with the ones that you talked about today. Um, who are doing their emotional work and know who they are as people. Mm -hmm. Um, My personal soapbox is like, and I've yet to find it, which is why I'm still just over. But first of all, like where I live, it's impossible. These dudes, Lord Jesus. But, um, (laughs) but like, I am a, I am a person and I'm amazing. Like I'm amazing. And then you are a person and you're amazing and we come together and be amazing together. And then also you get out of my house afterwards and you come over later. That's okay. But I please get out of my house. <laughs> do you know what, do you know what he, this guy said to me? He was like, I don't think he's like, if I get married, I don't know that I would want to live with my spouse. And I was like, let's get married. Me too. <laughs> me too. Right. What? Yes. Are you serious? That makes so much sense to me. It does. We have two houses. It's double equity. I don't have to yell. You can leave your like overnight bag in my house. It's fine. You can have a drawer. You can have a closet. You can have a closet. <laughs> I don't oh, care. I do not. But get out of my business and out of my space. Literally, you need to leave. It's time for you to go. Mm-hmm. You got stuff to do, bro. Yeah. My, one of the dudes, uh, I, I haven't met up with him yet. Cause, uh, <laughs> so there was this one. He's Okay, so I live in China, right? And I live in the South. And this dude was in Shanghai. And he's, he's a fuckboy. And um, 
he said, hey, when can I come over? And I was like, you know what? I live in a different city. He goes, yeah. So then four months later, he's like, hey, I miss you. And I was like, fam, we've never met. And he was like, seriously? I was like, you don't even know who you've met and who you haven't. And then this other text message was from a dude. And he was like, um, how, how long can I stay with you? Like, how many days can I stay with you? And I was like, how many days of my rent are you going to pay for? Like, is this a hotel? And I haven't heard back from him yet. So, like, just the... <sighs> the the craziness of and the expectations of folks that you know they they just aren't they just haven't done their work and you're not being clear it's not kind she's not interested it's craziness mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. exactly yes oh exactly. my gosh people it's just like what we said earlier the audacity the audacity it's, mm-hmm. it's wild it really is. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. You know, and then, and you know, there's, you know, there's a part of me that's like, you know, this, you know, you shouldn't talk about things like this because everyone isn't the same and they're not going to understand you. And it's like, I'm not living my life to be accepted and understood by people who have no intention of being open or honest with themselves about anything in their life. It's true. And if people feel offended by the way I live my life, then that just tells me that the way they live their life is not satisfactory to them. Mm -hmm. Because how can the way someone else lives affect you to the point that you have to make a comment about it? It's so true. And you don't even know me. You really have no idea. Yeah. And I'm not going to explain myself to people. Like, we just can't. We're just not. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Absolutely. Okay. So before we close today, the as we talked, I'm going through my little notes to make sure we got all the parts. Um, so we talked about the dating with the polyamory part, sexual assault connected to purity culture, which was... Uh, it was a beautiful part of your story. And then the sexual reprogramming piece. I think, did we cover all of it? Or do, do you want to share other parts like of your soapbox? Um, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to talk about um, just like accepting yourself. And then we, I also had like healthy dating. Oh, yes. Str- dating strategies. Okay. Listed. Um, but like. Also in accepting myself and and deciding who I am and and the kind of men that I want to be around, I also started to accept my body more Hmm. because they say, oh, you're beautiful. And I'm I'm always like, I'm not beautiful. Like, I don't look, you know, I don't look like whoever, you know, I'm not running around like Tiana Taylor Mm -hmm. or even um, Megan the Stallion, you know, Mm -hmm. or whoever, you know, and it's like, I always thought I had to look a certain way in order to be desired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm like FUPA and all. All the FUPA. You're going to get this body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like acne scars on my body Mm -hmm. and all these things. And, you know, I, you know, you know, I I think most women in this country have a little body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. Most women everywhere you know you just look at yourself and you can't see yourself for who you are 
really. Um, just because you've been, we've been indoctrinated. Am I breaking up? Nope. You sound great. Okay. Um, so, so anyway, just when I was able to accept myself and then only accept people into my life who accept me, I was able to get a lot of healing surrounding my body. And so just being my natural self, I don't have to have a vagina that looks like a porn actress. You know, my Mm -hmm. vagina doesn't have to be balled down to the white meat, you Mm -hmm. know, in order to be Mm -hmm. loved and accepted and to, to get cunnilingus or whatever, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. It's, it's okay to be who you are. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so that's, that's my approach to dating and, and love or whatever, or love and lust, Mm -hmm. um, just to be yourself. Like I've, um, like my voice, like I've started to use my regular speaking voice. I went to a private high school and I thought that in order to fit in, I needed to talk like them. Mm -hmm. So even just reclaiming my voice, reclaiming my story, Mm-hmm. reclaiming my ancestry reclaiming my um who i was before all the shit started happening that's deep i'm 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 getting back to her and it's not it's not um it's not possible to get back there because so many things have happened and, and i was telling my friends the other day i'm like i don't think i was born neurodivergent like, I'm pretty sure that I wasn't because, and, you know, and I was telling her as a way of like, I'm like, I understand my mom so much better now because when I realized that I probably wasn't born neurodivergent, I was born neurotypical. And that's why the depression and the, all the things that I've been through have been so disheartening for my mom hmm. because she knew me. You know, when I was fresh, a new a new person, unscathed and unharmed mm-hmm. by the world. And she's like, you know, what happened to you? Like, you just kind of like gave up. And I'm like, you know, I didn't give up, but I was just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And so for her, she sees me, you know, as who I was as a little girl, as far as like my capacity for work and life. Um but it's like, I used to be that, but I'm not that now. And it's okay. And I can still live a great life. And I can still do all these great and wonderful things. It's going to look different. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, I'm going to have love in my life. It's just going to look different. Right. And I'm going to do all the things that I've ever wanted to do. But not in the same way, maybe that it would have looked 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And that's good and okay. Mm-hmm. It's not second rate. It's not second best. It's good and fine mm-hmm. the way that it is. And I want to be accepted as good and fine the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And I want to accept people as good and fine the way that they are. Right. So, so in dating in relationship, that's like, you're good and fine, but not the good and fine that I need. So bye. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because I want that person to get the good and fine that they need. Right. 
because I want it for me. I want it for them. And I, and I want to, I want to treat people the way that I want to be treated, which means that I have to treat myself well. Right. So I'm, so that's something I'm working on. You know, it's like love your neighbor as yourself means you have to love yourself first. You do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, something that resonated in your story that also resonated in mine is the the body acceptance piece and within um, the journey of becoming a hoe. And so the my definition of hoe, of body acceptance mm-hmm. and all of yeah. this. Um, you know, I, since I live in China, my body is like the exact opposite of what I see every day. And, um, and then before this, I was in Denver. And so my body in Denver was the exact opposite because I'm big, I'm chubby, I'm hairy and I'm black and my hair is big mm-hmm. and all the things. And, um, I actually became more body, like I learned how to love my body through having different partners and that was something that was the Mm -hmm. opposite of what I expected because what I was taught and conditioned to do was like love your body first and then the one partner that you have in life will love the body because you love it but Mm -hmm. in my journey like I thought my body was fine like I finally got to the point where I was like okay I like the chub chub and my boobs look nice and it's cool but then when like I was with another with other partners and they're like, oh, my God, like, did you see this? What your body does when this happens or like and I squeezed it here and I'd be like, oh, you like the chub chub? You do? Well, me too. This is so exciting because I thought it was nice. But like now I feel really I feel great. And exactly. Then, yeah. And then other dudes would be like, oh, my God, like it's so great. And I'm like. I mean, I did go to the gym and I tried, you know, I did some squats, you know, (laughs) and so um, Mm -hmm. that was a piece that I was not expecting. And um, I've only had like two dudes who were like, look, we can't be together because like, you don't, because I I don't shape, like I I, I refuse. And so, because I'm like, this is patriarchy. But if other folks want to do that, that's fine. I live your best life. But for me in my house, we're not doing it. And so like, we just not. (laughs) And the one dude was like, look, I loved having sex with you, but also, but you don't shave it. And I was like, okay, well, I, I, I don't. And then he goes, okay, well, bye. And I was like, okay, see you later. Like, it was fine. Yeah, and it's like, it, great. Yeah, that was like one let. Like, it's fine. Go find another one. And he, I'm sure he's living his best life, too. He found somebody that shaves. I, that's great. It's not me. Yeah. And so um, that's, that's what I have gathered in my little whole phase yeah. over here. Yes. It's like let's normalize moving on without the drama, <laughs> right? Yes. Everyone's like, let's just be adults about this, and it's like you don't even you don't even mean what you're saying because we're arguing right now. Let's just be adults about this. I How am about an adult. you're done. Goodbye. How about that? Just yeah. just leave. Just go. Just go. The peace. Yes. Peace be with you, and also with you. That's church peace. words. And also with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so dating strategies. Do you have other ones you want to share with the people? Yes, yeah, so dating strategies. Yes. Um, I am going to encourage people to get on dating apps. I was afraid apps. of them for a long time. Yes. I think dating apps are great um, depending on what you want to do. They're all, they all serve a different purpose. Um, so if you're looking for... If you're looking for true love, 
definitely don't get on Tinder. I'm just kidding. Lots of people find true love on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I haven't found true love, but I've definitely found great, a great relationship from Tinder. But um, on your profile, just put the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we want to cater ourselves to a certain thing, but it's like, if you're kinky, put that you're kinky. You don't need to surprise somebody with that. You mm-hmm. like to be tied up. Let people know up front. Mm-hmm. You don't want to date someone who, um, you know, whatever works fast food or something. Put that in your profile. Mm-hmm. Don't invite people to a party that they're not able to get into. Mm-hmm. And don't do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't throw a party that you're not going to have fun at. Why would you do that? That's preaching. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, cause, cause for me, I don't think, I don't think we can have the fullness of joy and love and peace and um, understanding if we can't be honest with ourselves and with other people. Mm-hmm. So my, I think the healthiest thing you can do when you're getting to know someone that you're interested in is to be honest, is to ask a lot of questions, specific questions. Like if you're the kind of person who after six months of relationship going well, you like to move in with that person, find out if they snore. Yes. Find out if they, find out if they have a routine at their own home to clean their place. Mm Mm-hmm. Do they wash their sheets regularly? Do they do their laundry regularly? Do they pick up after themselves at their own house? Because mm-hmm. if they don't and you do, that's going to be a source of tension. Yeah. I mean, that's simple. I mean, that's kind of basic, but, you know, it's um, something that you would say, oh, we'll worry about that later. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. No, plan out the crossing of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Plan it out. Because if you wait until you get to a bridge to decide how you're going to cross it, mm-hmm. that's a lot of people can, can do that. But for me, I need to plan it out in advance. I need to know ahead of the time. So I need to get all those details out beforehand. Condom, no condom. Um, do you snore? Are you going to want to cuddle afterwards? You know, um, are you expecting to spend the night in my house if we have sex at my house? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I interested in seeing you again? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be beat around the bush about that. Mm-hmm. This was fun, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate, you know, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Because I don't delay your satisfaction for someone else's feelings because in the end you're just going to hurt your own feelings and hurt theirs absolutely yeah so, so many of my little visitors I, I love that um they are surprised and shocked that like I am so clear in like what I'm looking for and what I will tolerate mm-hmm. um and I was like because I pay my therapist a lot of money first of all and second of all because like I've been dealing with fuck boys and like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, this is what you will do when you, you, like, one of my new favorites is like, when you come in, I have, 
like I live in a tiny palace like my house is super tiny and um like you need to take your shoes off outside the door like don't bring in outside dirt that's disgusting and then as soon as you come in wash your hands because you're not going to touch me with your nasty ass hands like that's gross and then one of my dudes was one of the dudes his name is favorite dick and he he's that's goodness and so he's on my list of I haven't seen him in a minute but um he's on he was on my list of last year uh I call the list shut up and take your pants off because he's like not smart he's just not like like just don't talk because you're gonna make me dry like I just cannot (laughs) it's so bad right yeah and I remember he came in this last time and I hadn't seen him for a few months and um I was like, okay, you need to go and wash your hands. And like, he was like, why do I got to wash my hands? The only thing I did was get in the taxi to come over here. And I was like, but did you touch the taxi? Yeah, thank you did. You, you wash, wash your hands. And he was mad. And then yeah, he, he like, the seat belt oh, God, oh God, it was so gross. And then he was like stomping it, like being mad in my house, going to wash his hands. I was like, yes, yeah, you wash, wash your hands. And so... It's the small things that really make a big difference. And then the idea, like the cuddling yeah. after, like it's big. Like, do you want to be cuddled or do you want him to get the fuck out? And yeah, these things, the small things, like you gotta, you gotta ask about the small things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh man. All right. So before we close, um, I don't know what happened before we close. Um, is there anything that um you want to say because like, a little bit okay okay is there like are there any are any there any things that you want to say that you forgot to say or that um are so important that you want to say one more time um or did you get everything yes i think i think i want to i think i want to sum up okay I want to, I want to, so I'm so literary. I just want to give a little conclusion. I in love conclusion, it. <laughs> in conclusion, yes. um, this version of life as, you know, we know it is the only one that we're going to get, mm. we think anyway. And so please, people listening, live your life authentically live your life in a way that makes you happy not other people mm-hmm. because i had a my so i will say one more thing i guess my mom and i's relationship was so tumultuous and you know she had a way of being in that she wanted me to, a way that she wanted me to live and i was traumatized and i couldn't live that way and i couldn't do the things but now that I'm living in a way that I feel like honors who I am as a person, our relationship has gotten better. Absolutely. And there's been a lot of intentional stuff, of course, and a lot of therapy on my part. But when I decided that I am who I am and that my mom is who she is and that if I want her to accept me, I have to accept her, mm-hmm. things got so much better. And so it's like, don't, waste your don't waste time with bad relationships if it's a relationship that you want to be better work on making it better if it's a relationship that sucks no matter what cut it off cut it off and be happy Mm -hmm. please absolutely 
Because the world isn't falling apart because everyone's being authentic and honest and doing self-work. <laughs> the world's falling apart because people are not honest mm. and doing things that, <laughs> you know, benefit the ego instead of, you know, benefiting really who you are. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Oh, and you wrote a book. So how can we find this book? Oh, yes. Yes. So I wrote a devotional called Heartbreak, Standing Firm When You Want to Run. It's a 10-day devotional. It's available on Amazon. You can find it under my name, Helen Camila Amon Bailey, Camila, K-A-M-I-L-A-H, Amon, A-M-O-N, Helen with one L, Bailey with an E. I don't know. It's just so many. There's (laughs) so many. English is so dumb. English is so dumb. But um, I'm on Instagram as author h k a b um and the link in my bio is to my wordpress where my blog is but there's also a link to my book on amazon there and i'll be writing many more books and doing many more things in the future oh so excited thank you (laughs) i have loved chatting with you today and this has been great Seriously. It's the best. So fun. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, um, I will be sure to put all of the contact information on my page as well so like people can connect with you. Yes. Okay. Awesome. (sighs) Helen, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I am so proud of you and so grateful that you opened up your heart and your mind to um encourage other people to continue on their journey of becoming a hoe or maintaining their hoedom who knows so i wish you all the best in your relationships and as you um, are uncovering all the aspects of how phenomenal you are for those of us who are listening um come share your hoe story with us on the podcast um inbox me at Holy Coitus on Instagram, and that's H-E-A-U-X-L-Y-C-O-I-T-U-S. Um, buy a whole short, a whole shirt. Uh, join the movement. I have some new shirts that are pretty cute, and also some uh, coffee mugs and stickers. So you can find those on my store. And lastly, um, check out the other podcasts that I have um, posted. Each and every individual that um, is on my podcast. They are all phenomenal individuals, and I have other phenomenal stories to come as well. Uh, For those of you who are listening, have a kind week. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to those around you. Be kind to those you're connected with. Also, drink water, have tons of orgasms, and um, sleep, and don't apologize for it. So, until next time, you all have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.